Good morning, church family. We're excited to be here. Uh, it's family month, like we've been talking about. And one of the things I love about this month is the children's ministry has really been intentional about you parents, giving you as many resources and as many opportunities just to, just to grow and being what it means to be a godly parent. And so we've been showing these videos beforehand, so if you turn your attention to the screen, we have a video. Why did God have to make these promises, and what did he promise? And why should you care? These are the questions we're going to answer as we dive into the very first book of the Bible. Pat the bunny. I can't believe you said that. Good night, moon. Green eggs and ham. I'm not with him. Um, no. Good guesses, though. The very first book of the Bible, Genesis. That was my next guess. Genesis. Clive. I'll be in the car. Did you know that right now, you have free access to a huge variety of great biblically-based videos for kids? What's in the Bible with Buck Denver, Veggie Tales, Boz, Theo, Chuck Swindoll's Paws and Tales, 321 Penguins, Yay Sado, Auto Be Good, Mickey and Me, Adventures in Odyssey, and many others. These videos can be used at home, in the car, or as part of a classroom. It's free, it's easy, and it's streaming, so you can watch it anywhere. Enriching high-quality biblical entertainment for your kids, and no commercials. Right Now Media, kids. Just one more way we hope to support and equip you and your family on your journey of faith. So let that be a blessing to you parents. We're not parents yet, but I know when we are, we'd really appreciate things like that. So um, if, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Stuart, this is my wife Amanda, and we get the honor to lead the Young Adults Ministry here at North Shore. And it's Discover Pass. This is the theme that we've been talking about for Family Month, and we're so excited. Uh, first week, we heard from Tommy and Emily, and they shared to us on the path of life. And it's, it's basically the theme of this month is to look at all these different paths where God encountered people. And so they talked about the path of life um, and encouraged us to really find joy that only comes from God's presence. Uh, last week, we heard from Daniel and Damien, and they got to share a really powerful message about what it means to see people the way God sees them. And this week, Amanda and I are excited because we get to share on a path that is really meaningful to us, and it's the road to Emmaus. And, um, and so if you turn in your Bibles to Luke 24, if you have them, uh, we have ushers coming forward. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand, and they'd be more than happy to put one in your hand. Uh, and as you're turning there, uh, I want to ask for those of you families, how many of you have been able to really take advantage of the hikes that we've been making available to go on a few hikes this summer? Nice, just a few. Cool. Um, I know for Amanda and I, we love the outdoors. So summertime is like our favorite time of the year just because we get to be outside and we love to hike. We love to just, really if we're just sitting outside, we, we just love being outside. Um, and I also want to ask you, uh, how many sometimes feel like the Rileys? In the first video we saw, they kind of have to force their kids to be outside. Do some of you parents feel that way? For me, I was actually the opposite of that kid. I was always outside. You could find me in the woods catching lizards. So we grew up in Florida, uh, tormenting forest creatures, doing like what every young kid would do. Uh, but all I have to say is I loved being outside and my mom would have to force me to come inside and take baths, which I hated. Um, but 
nature and just being outside does something, doesn't it, to like lift your spirits. It makes you feel just like you can think better, you can process things. If you're going on a walk with a friend, you can just kind of let out some steam and just really enjoy God's creation. And it kind of ties into this theme that we're going to be talking about today with the Road to Emmaus, which is the theme of hope. And we titled our message today, Restoring Hope, because we're going to see with these two disciples that we meet, they really have lost hope. And Jesus comes and meets them and restores that hope. And as I was thinking about this concept, I was, I was picturing growing up and hearing phrases that we've all kind of heard, like, don't get your hopes up. Or maybe phrases like, don't expect much out of whatever it is. Or it's okay to hope in that, but the reality is this. We've all kind of grown up with that language, and if we're not careful sometimes, that can start to creep into our thinking, and it can start to creep into our mouths. And we can be speaking those things out, like saying, well, I'm never going to be able to afford that, or it's never going to get any better, or it's just not going to improve. We kind of grow into this, and even taking it a step further, sometimes we can look at people who do have hope, if we're in that situation, and kind of look down on them, be like, well, they're just not in reality. They're kind of up in the clouds, you know? And so it was really cool just to sit with this passage and to wrestle with this idea of hope, especially as a kid uh, growing up. I know, like, hope is one of those things that we all need at every stage of life. And it reminded me, too, of a couple months back in our life group. uh, We just kind of went around the circle and asked each other, what do we feel like God is doing in Everett, in the city that we live in? And it really centered on this theme of hope. We want to be a community that speaks life and speaks hope into a city that really is hopeless sometimes. It seems like there's people that are just riddled with hopelessness. And so also what I love is that the Bible does teach us a lot about hope. It says things like hope looks forward and doesn't look back. That you can't hope in things that have already happened. You can only hope in what's ahead. It says things like hope is the anchor of our soul. In Hebrews, it says that. And then also it says that hope and faith are actually connected. That in scripture, we see that faith and hope are connected. You can't have faith without hope, and you can't have hope without faith. And kind of a key verse, along with the story that we want to refer back to, is Hebrews 11.1, and it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence or the conviction of what's not seen. So if we want to be a community of faith, if we want to grow as a family, um, whether you're a kid, whether you're a parent, whether you're older, it doesn't matter. If we want to grow as a community of faith, then we need to learn how to have hope. And I want to be the first to say that this is something that I'm preaching to myself today, is I want to grow in this. I know that I can get discouraged, I can be let down by things, but uh, I want to grow in what this means to, to be a person that is known as a person of hope. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to dive into this passage. Father, we love you, and we're just inviting you into this space right now. We know that hope is something that's on your heart. It's something that you love to talk about because you are the God of hope. And I thank you, God, that you pursue us and that you don't leave us um, in our letdown. You don't leave us in our discouragement, but you fill us with hope and send us on a path uh, that is just in your will and your promise. And so, We love you, and we just invite you to just do work in our hearts and renew our minds and make us just continue to see life clearly through your perspective. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Cool, so beginning, like I said, turn to Luke 24, and we're going to start in verse 13. 
And a little backstory, uh, this is three days after Jesus has been crucified. So if you came in today expecting to hear an Easter message, you're right. Um, it's not Easter, but we're going to talk about Easter today. Um, so picking up in verse 13, it says, That very day, two of them, so two disciples, were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us, and they went to the tomb earlier this morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women have had said, but him they did not see. So we see these two disciples, one Cleopas, the other one we don't know his name, um, and they are, they are walking from Jerusalem back to Emmaus, and Emmaus was their home, and so they're, they're on this journey going back to their hometown, and as scripture said, it was about seven miles, and so it's a pretty long walk, but very typical for that time. And this was the third day, as Stuart said, the third day after Jesus had died. And that very morning, some of the women disciples in Jerusalem went to Jesus' tomb and they found the stone rolled away. And they found the tomb empty. And Mary Magdalene, who was one of the women, rushed to go tell the other disciples this news. And then the other women who had stayed at the tomb then encounter two angels. And the angels tell them that Jesus has risen. And so Mary Magdalene, who had, had run back and shared the news with the other disciples, told Peter and John and all of them. And so Peter and John go to the tomb because they want to see for themselves. And they go and they see it just as the women had said. And they also find out about the angels in this encounter. And so they go back and share this news with the rest of the disciples. And it was at this point that Cleopas and this other disciple would have heard this news and would have then left and been on their way back to Emmaus. So this morning, we want to share with you four ways that Jesus restored hope in this passage. And the first one is that Jesus walks with us even when we're not walking with him. I think we got it up on the screens. Jesus walks with us even when we're not walking with him. So back to the story, these disciples, these two disciples. Why, after hearing this news of the, the stone being rolled away and the tomb being empty and these angels saying that Jesus had risen, why, after hearing this news, did these two disciples decide to go back home? It doesn't really make sense. You'd think that they would be excited and they, they'd be expectant and they would remain with the other disciples. It's kind of crazy. But I want you guys to really imagine yourselves and put yourselves in their position. These two disciples had left everything to follow Jesus. 
They had left their hometown, they had left their jobs, they had left probably most of their family, and they had joined Jesus in his journey because they believed he was the Messiah. And they wanted to be a part of that. And so when Jesus died, that was just a crushing moment for them. And even though Jesus had told them that he had to die and told them that he would be raised on the third day, I think that in their minds, they were still so focused on what they hoped would be the end of the story. Because they were hoping that Jesus would redeem Israel, that he would become their king and he would save them. And when he died, it was like, what? what's happening? This isn't, this isn't how I thought it was supposed to go. And so in their minds, they were just disappointed. And they were also grieving. Jesus was their friend. He was their dearest friend. He was their teacher. Um, I've heard in other scriptures too and from other people that apparently Cleopas was his family member, I think his uncle. And so he was a family member. And so they were in a state of grieving. It had only been three days since Jesus had died. And so you can imagine they're in this place of grief, they're in this place of disappointment, and even to this place of losing hope. In verse 21, it says, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. It says they had hoped, which means that that hope was lost. And so they were returning home because their story with Jesus had ended, and they had lost hope in him. And I want us to really think about areas of our own life that, that we can fill in that blank, I had hoped. Because we all have that. And maybe it's, I had hoped I would have gotten that job. Or I had hoped I would have received that promotion at work, which would have given me a greater status or more influence. Or I had hoped that my marriage would have thrived. Or I had hoped maybe that my kids would have remained faithful and followed Jesus. We all have that area. And for you kids too, you, you also can think about an area of your life that you had hoped in. Maybe it was, I had hoped that I would have test, or passed that test in school or gotten an A on that grade. Or maybe it was, I hope my friend would have been faithful to me, would have stood by my side. Or I had hoped that my parents would have learned to love each other again. We all have an area of our life that we've been disappointed by a person, we've been disappointed by circumstances, we've been disappointed just by things going not the way that we expected them to. And so in my own life, in my story, when I was a kid, I really struggled in school. And I just, I did not do well. I, I tried and I worked hard, but I just could not I could not do well in school. I could not get good grades. And the reason was later on I found out was because I had learning disabilities. But I didn't know that at the time. And so I remember taking tests and, and working on projects and I would get these things back and there would be C's and D's and F's and I would just be so discouraged. Like why, why is this not going the way that I thought school would? Why is this not? you know, why am I not making it? And so I started losing hope in school, and I was about 13 years old at that age, or at that time. And, he, and I started losing hope in that area of my life. And then I also started losing hope in if I would be able to go to college. 
and if I would be able to find a job or then even succeed and make it in life. And for kids, for those of you who are here, you know and understand that school is a big part of your life. And so it's easy to see that as, as your world. And so I started losing hope in that area of my own life. And we see the disciples and they're, they're in this place of hopelessness and their disappointment clouded their ability to believe that Jesus had risen. And so they're on their way back home. And they're heading to their old way of life. And oftentimes when we face disappointment, we return to what's comfortable, to what's familiar, because it's safe for us, and it makes sense. And then we see Jesus meeting them on the road, but they don't recognize it's him. In verse 16 it says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So why, why do you think that they, they didn't know it was him? Why do you think they couldn't recognize him? And I think part of it could have been supernatural. Another passage says that he was in a different form. Um, but I also believe that just as their disappointment clouded their ability to believe, I think it also clouded their ability to see Jesus when he was right in front of them. And we have all experienced this in our life. So sometimes we become so focused on what didn't happen in the past that we lose hope for the future. So think about that thing maybe that you lost hope in or have been disappointed by. It's just so easy to feel like God isn't able to do the miraculous in the future or do the impossible or have his way in that in the future because you're disappointed by it. And it's just easy for that to, to become something that you just don't see God able to do a mighty work in. And we don't always realize how much of that is clouding the lens that we see through. And I think that when we're looking into the future, we have to realize that disappointment and, and hopelessness can sometimes be messing with the way that we see things and even the way that we're able to see God and how he's moving and wanting to work in our lives. But the amazing thing is that in, in the midst of that and in the midst of the disciples' unbelief, Jesus enters in and he pursues them, which is so exciting. So even when we leave the path that God has us on, he still walks with us. He still joins us on the path that we're on. Because they were on the path that God had them on. They were following Jesus. They were in Jeru Jerusalem with the disciples. But then they leave that path and they go on the path to go back home. And yet we see Jesus joining them on that road. It didn't matter that it wasn't the road God had for them. Jesus still wants to be with them. He wants to help them in that. And he does that with us as well. And I love this because I just imagine Jesus in this situation. I imagine him joining the disciples on the road and they don't know it's him. And he's just there and he's asking them questions. He even says like, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they respond and he's like, what things? And it's like, Jesus, you know. <laughs> but I can imagine him just smiling to himself and thinking about how just excited they would be if they knew it was him. And he was just anticipating that, that moment when they would recognize him. And it's like, you're holding this surprise. And then we see, we see Jesus in this situation, but 
I wanna ask the question, why didn't Jesus reveal himself right then and there to them? Because even though they didn't recognize him, he could have proven that it was himself. He could have somehow proven that it was he. And I believe that Jesus cared more about tending to their faith than revealing himself in the moment. And he does this with us all the time. He wants to strengthen our faith and he was wanting to strengthen the disciples' faith and, and bring them back to faith because if they were brought back to faith, they would also be brought back to hope. And that was his ultimate goal because he wanted them to believe in who he said he was. And he wanted them to, to believe in the promises that he had spoken to them when he was with them before he had died. And so he was wanting to bring them back to that place of faith. And Hebrews 11.1 1, this is the NLT version. It says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of the things we cannot see. And so faith leads us back to hope. And it's important in, in the things that we're disappointed in to realize that God, rather than just, just showing up and saying, I'm here, he might be wanting to strengthen our faith because that is more important because that's gonna be lasting. And that's gonna help us through future things. So when we feel like God is absent in an area of our life or absent in general, it's not a presence problem, but a sight problem. He promises that he is with us. And so we can be confident in that he's with us no matter if we feel like he's there, no matter if we're hearing his voice, no matter if we're seeing how he's working, he is there, that's a promise. And so we have to realize that maybe our lens is clouded by disappointment or other things or unbelief. And so we need to realize that maybe it's a sight problem. And Jesus joins us in those times and he really walks with us and he helps us to, to journey through that and come back to the place of faith. So, uh, continuing on with the story, starting in verse 25, he says, and he said to them, so Jesus is responding now, he says, he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in the, all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So the disciples give Jesus this long-winded answer, and what I love, like, the humor of it all is really funny, because they're talking to Jesus about Jesus. It's like talking to the author of a book about the story that they wrote. It's just kind of like this funny interaction. Uh, but I love Jesus' response. What does he do? He takes them to school. He like teaches them. And for those of you, the kids in the room, that might sound kind of boring to go through like a Bible lesson of the Old Testament, but for these guys, it would have been probably one of the most influential moments of their whole life, if not the most influential moment, because they had such a high love for scripture. And even, so at the age of 12, um, it's actually interesting. So for the Family Month series, we've been kind of like, who's our target audience? It's kind of like that 12-year-old mark. Um, at the age of 12 in Jewish culture, they would have memorized the first five books of the Bible, which is kind of crazy. Um, and so for Jesus to go back, starting with Moses and the prophets, and to start talking to them about himself would have been this amazing, amazing encounter. Um, do you ever find yourself, though, when you're in need of hope, sometimes it helps to go back and to recount all the things that God's done in the process. I know for me that's the case. Um, the areas that he's shown up in are so valuable because sometimes we can lose sight of them. 
But there is a difference. Like I said, hope looks forward and doesn't look back. There's a difference between looking back and being kind of critical or um, like overanalyzing and kind of nitpicking at what you could have done better, what you couldn't. But there's a difference between looking back in that way and looking back with thankfulness, which I believe is what Jesus did in this passage. So sometimes God takes us back to show us that he's been there all along. Um, like I said, we have a propensity to forget. So just like the disciples, they forgot that Jesus was foretold over and over in scripture. We can forget things like maybe that relationship or that friendship that God led us to years ago. And it was such an amazing friendship, but maybe it's, it's not there anymore. We can forget the good in that situation. Or maybe it's uh, having peace in a situation when the, you desperately needed to just have tangible peace. In, in the midst of something. Or maybe it's, it is tangible. Maybe it's like a financial thing where you, God came through and just paid off a rent check for you and you didn't even know how it happened. But sometimes with the busyness of life, we can just keep going and forget to look back and to really take hold of those precious moments that he's, he's come through for us. And like Amanda was talking about, what Jesus did in this interaction is he awoken faith in their hearts by reminding them of the faithfulness of God all throughout history, not just in their present moment, but all throughout history. And he comes through in the same way for us, which is point two is he reminds us of what he's done to show us where he's taking us. The Bible says that God never changes, but sometimes, wouldn't we all agree that sometimes our experiences or the things that we go through our circumstances kind of they influence us and they kind of make us think otherwise. Sometimes we think maybe God's forgotten us, that he's not with us anymore. Or sometimes we think that he's disappointed in us, or maybe he's not pursuing us at the level of passion that maybe he once did at a season in life. I love this quote um, by Pastor Bill Johnson. Um, It says, sometimes if God seems silent to you, it's because he's calling you to rediscover that which he's already said. I love that. It's like sometimes if God seems silent, which I, like, when we're pastoring, we're talking to people and kind of meeting with them, sometimes it feels that way where God seems silent, but maybe what he's doing is actually calling you back to rediscover the things that he's already said. Then Jesus knew that in this part of the story that building the faith of the disciples and who God was from the beginning was far more valuable than revealing himself. And another thing that I see in this little section is the importance of testimony. As a family, this is, like I said, this is family month, and I think as a family, as a church family, we need to be a people of testimony. And what that means is, is we learn to speak out and to vocalize the things that God has said and done. And because the moment that we stop doing that is the moment that we lose faith, our faith in him diminishes, and we, we don't really trust him, or we might not have the faith to believe him for what's ahead. And so we need to be a people that are marked by testimony. And sometimes I think we can get so locked in to what we want God to say in the moment that we forget all the good things that he's done. And I was thinking about just an illustration or an idea for this is uh, for kids, if you have had a birthday party and maybe you were looking forward to it for months or even years, uh, you know exactly what you want for your birthday. You know exactly what kind of cake you want your mom to make. Um, You know what friends you want to be there. You just have it all kind of planned out in your mind. what happens though when those things don't come to pass? I've had birthday parties like that growing up where it's like, I didn't get the thing that I wanted. The cake was terrible. Sorry, mom. Um, I'm just kidding. She makes awesome cakes actually. Um, And then friends that you thought were your friends didn't show up. So it it just like ruins the day, doesn't it? Like it kind of makes you feel let down, discouraged, you're in tears and you just want the day to be over. It's not even worth it anymore. You get to the end of the day though and your mom or your dad comes 
and just like encourages you and say, no, like look at all the good that happened today. Look at all the people that came to your party and had a great time. Like look at, like the cake was great. <laughs> like just simple things like that. Whereas parents I know, um, and we will know at some point, but just I can imagine that being so valuable to just speak life into your children. And that's what God is wanting to do for us. And he wants us to remind him of things like he's strong or like he's powerful and trustworthy. And so focusing on the wrong things sometimes will make us miss the right thing that may be right in front of us. Um, So I just want to encourage you guys to stay positive and hopeful and remember and recount those things that God has done. So now we're picking up. Verse 28. It says, So they drew near to the village to which they were going. Jesus acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at a table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. I just love that encounter. It's it's really, really amazing. And I want to note first at the beginning where it says that they invited him into their home. Because they didn't know it was Jesus. They didn't recognize it was him. But they still wanted to be with him. They still wanted to like be with him longer and eat dinner with him and talk to him more. And And so they wanted to invite him in, even though they didn't realize it was Jesus. And I think that we we also can do this in our areas of life that we're facing disappointment. Because even if we don't recognize God in the midst of things, we can still invite him in to that. We can believe that he's with us and we can invite him into it and just say, come, come process this with me. Help me in this. I just want to be with you. And so I just think it's amazing that they invite him in and he stays with them. In verse 30 through 31, it says, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Oh, it's so cool. I just love it. Um, So I love this because it was in the place of friendship that their eyes were open to Jesus. And that's our third point, is that Jesus reveals himself through friendship. And I just love it because it wasn't on the road when he was teaching them, it was at the dinner table. And it was during this communion time of him breaking the bread. That's when their eyes were open. And God is so intentional. In all of his ways, he has, a, he has a reason for why he does what he does. And he always does things to reveal more of who he is to us. And so in this moment, I believe that Jesus wanted the disciples to realize that when they faced hopelessness in their life, that the place of intimacy and friendship and communing with him was exactly where they needed to be. Because it was in that place that they recognized him. And for us, we also can go to that place as well. When we lose hope in areas of our life, we can also go to the place of friendship with God. 
And it's in that place that our eyes really will recognize him and will be open to seeing him again. And what this looks like is prayer and his word and worship and just being with him and not having an agenda, just being with him and loving him. Because oftentimes if we're disappointed or if something's gone a completely different direction than we expected, Immediately we're thinking, what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? Why is this happening? And we just start questioning and second guessing and getting really internalized. But truly what is gonna help us is setting our eyes back on Jesus and just, and just coming close to him like a father because he takes us like a child and, and he just loves on us like a, the birthday party. It's like the, the parent who helps talk us through things and reminds us of who he is which is so amazing. And in my own life, my own story, this happened because when I was feeling hopeless about school, when I was about 13, 14 years old, I, I ended up hearing the gospel and my life was transformed and I gave my life to Jesus. And really what God began doing at that young age is he, he introduced friendship to me with him, a type of friendship that opened this door to hope and a hope for my future. Because in my mind, I was thinking, how am I ever gonna make it? Like, how am I gonna be able to do this? Do I even want to? It doesn't look like a very good path ahead of me. And yet, what God started speaking over me through his word and through his Holy Spirit were things like, you have purpose, you have value, and it's okay because my power is made perfect in your weakness, and it's okay because my grace is sufficient, and so I will transform you, I will help you. And I realized that even what I was looking forward to in my future was far greater than I had realized. And for you kids, I, I remember clearly what that, that life stage was like. And maybe school's easy for you, maybe it's difficult for you, but the future is like this great thing ahead of you. And what I want you to understand is that God has created you for a purpose and a destiny, and it's not gonna be out of your own strength. It's not gonna be out of how you're feeling in school now or how you're feeling in your friend group now. It's gonna come out of who God is in you and his spirit in you. And I love sharing that part of my story because being up here and preaching is something I never thought I would ever be able to do and I never wanted to do that. And so God has plans far greater than we realize for ourselves because he's capable of doing anything through us. And I wanna end with Romans 12, 12. It says, let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy don't give up in times of trouble, but commune with God at all times. So we're coming to the end of the story, and the disciples have now seen Jesus. And like Amanda was saying, it was when he broke the bread. And there's such a significance to that, like she was saying, it was in that place of fellowship, that place of friendship with Jesus, that he decided to reveal himself. But I think there's another even more significant reality that I'll hopefully try to communicate uh, well because it makes me, I get excited about this too. Um, but Jesus had to die. He says it over and over again. He says, I have to go to the cross. I have to die. I have to, I have to. And the disciples just, every time, just over their head. They didn't get it. Um, and so I was wrestling with that. I was asking that question, what, why did Jesus have to die? And I love 
uh, what the Prez family was sharing, just even with communion, is like, why did Jesus have to die? And we have these kind of things that we grew up in church hearing, which are totally, totally true, so don't get me wrong, but they're like, Jesus died for our sins, he died to purify us and make us holy, and we say these things, and I'm like, I think there's something more to it, too, because there's a reason why he revealed himself in the breaking of the bread. And I, I think about this verse in John 12, 24, where Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And so I read that and I'm like, Jesus is in the business of multiplication. He's wanting to multiply himself. He's wanting people to get it. He's wanting his life to be translated into the lives of those around him, which is incredible. And so surrendering our lives is actually, in Christianity, it's the first step to following Jesus, that we can't live like him unless we die completely to ourselves. And what this looks like in regards to hope um, is we get the opportunity to let go of our discouragement. We get the opportunity to die to our letdown. We get the opportunity to die to the things that maybe have held us captive for years, that we just are still mulling over and just discouraged. And um, we get the opportunity to leave those behind. And so I wanna ask you guys, whether you're a kid, whether you're an adult, like what are those things today maybe that you need to leave in Emmaus? What are those things that you need to leave just on the roadside where Jesus has paid for it? He's, he's paid the ultimate price to free us of all that. And I love it too, because he says, he knew that this was exactly what they needed and he, <laughs> he just vanishes. He just picks up and leaves. And, and what happens right next is just so cool. So starting in verse 33, it says, and they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 and those who were with him gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told him what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. So they pick up, they turn around. It's probably like, it's after dinner time. So who'd go on a seven mile walk after dinner time? They, they do. Um, but they go back to the place that used to be marked by discouragement. It used to be marked by disappointment and letdown, but now it's become the place of promise and the place of hope and the place of a future. They go back to the place that they were fearful of the whole time. And why? Because they saw resurrection. And that's the final point we wanna leave you guys with is Jesus' resurrection changes the direction of our life. Seeing Jesus' resurrection changes the whole direction of our life. And I was thinking about this, that don't, don't you love when people go before you on something and they come back and tell you how it is? I was thinking of uh, sports fans. So like kids, it's not really sports season right now, but in the fall, football season's coming. Uh, picture basketball, take basketball for an example. If you were in a sport and you had the opportunity to choose your coach, so your basketball player, picture having LeBron James as your coach. He's teaching you everything he knew. He's teaching you all the wisdom that he's gathered over the years, teaching you all the forms of the different formations, everything that, that goes into that. Then picture having somebody who's never played the game before. Picture, picture somebody who doesn't even know like, how basketball is scored. I don't know, if, there's probably somebody out there that doesn't even know how basketball is even scored. But, but just picture that. If you had the choice, what would you want? You'd probably want somebody who's been there before, someone who can pour out to you all the wisdom and guidance. This is what the resurrection does for us, is we have someone who has been there before, someone who's coming back and declaring the truths of an eternity that's far beyond what we're experiencing right now. 
So it's not enough just for us as a church to believe in a human Jesus, we need to believe in a resurrected Jesus. We need to believe in someone who has gone before us, come back and told us of the good news. And that does restore hope in our lives. And the final, like, this is the kicker, this whole story is amazing. But the ending of it is crazy because they get back to Jerusalem and what do they find? A community of people who have all seen Jesus. I love that, that statement when Paul says, or not Paul, Peter, one of those guys. Um, he says, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon, who is Peter. So we, they, we see them coming back and they become a part of a community that's marked by testimony of seeing and experiencing the risen Jesus. And not only that, but for the first time ever in a few days, they're going to get this amazing promise called the Holy Spirit. And they would have totally missed it. If they would have followed their, their disappointments, if they would have followed just their kind of apathy or just kind of going on with life, they would have totally missed this amazing promise that came to us. And so I just wanna encourage you guys, what is that one thing, like Amanda was saying, I had hoped for this. I wanna encourage you to leave it on the road. Leave it on the road to Emmaus and don't ever look back because the resurrection is all about looking forward and not looking back, amen? Amen. Cool, so I don't know about you, Amanda, but I wanna hear from the Rileys. So we are gonna catch up with the Rileys and see what's going on in their world. Sit down the hill, Dad. Oh, oh, hold up, son. I'm not the young sprite I used to be. I thought you were a young seven up. <laughs> hey, don't get older. It's so depressing. Oh, that was bad, even by my standards. Well, that's what I'm here for. To make bad jokes? Uh, more or less. Oh. Why don't we find a place to sit? Daddy needs to rest. Daddy? Oh. Dad, I haven't called you daddy since I was like one in 16 months old. Speaking of which, how's, uh, how's school going? There was no transition there at all. Don't change the subject. I'm just saying. Well, how about you just say how school is going? Okay, um, it's summer, so great. It's my favorite kind of school. Have you uh, talked to your friend? Uh, oh. Help me out here, uh, Tim, Jim. Well, seeing as how you took away my phone, no. And his name's Jimothy. <laughs> That's not a real name, is it? I tell you, it's, well, it's a unique name. Uh, we're getting off topic. Can we stay off topic? Come on, son. Do you honestly think I don't know that you were bullied all last year? I. Uh, yeah. You obviously didn't like school, and you avoided extracurricular activities, and you only went to events if your sister or Zoe were gonna be there. Yeah, well, I didn't have anyone to go with. You didn't have any friends that go to events? I don't have any friends at school, period. What, what about the kids in your class? <laughs> yeah, well, the boys all bully me, and the girls, they just think I'm weird. Well, the girls thought I was weird, too. Still do, in fact. Well, except your mother. Surprisingly, that doesn't make me feel any better. You know, 
This actually reminds me of a Bible story. Dad. Bear with me. Do you remember the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus? Uh, Jesus had just died, and they were walking along, and they were really afraid when this man approached them, this stranger, and the stranger started, you know, talking to them about uh, about Jesus and about how he was coming back from the dead. Okay, what does that have to do with me? Well, think of how alone those men must have felt, right? Sure, they had each other, but they had also been in an amazing community with God, and now Jesus was gone, hmm. right? And there were Roman soldiers coming after them to hurt or even kill them. That seems like bullying on a pretty extreme level. I guess. So what happened next? Well, <clears throat> uh, afterward, uh, after the man, you know, disappears, the men realized that the man who had been with them was Jesus. And that even though they hadn't expected it, Jesus had been with them. He had been walking with them. And later on, he even sent the Holy Spirit to be with them. Just goes to prove that he's always going to be with you. Yeah, but sometimes it feels like he's not. Sometimes it just doesn't feel like he's even there. I know. You know, I feel that way from time to time, too. But if we can truly believe that what the Bible says is true, then we can walk in the knowledge that Jesus walks with us continually. Yeah, yeah, I know you're right. It's just, it'd be really nice to have friends. Yeah. Well, now what about the boys at youth group? You seem to get along well with them. Oh, yeah, I mean, Brett and Ethan, they're pretty cool, and sometimes even Jimothy shows up. But, I don't know, they already have a pretty big friend group, and what if everybody just is the same as at school, and they all think I'm, you know, weird? You are weird, buddy. But that's what's wonderful about you. You're, you're different, and God made you that way for a reason. And besides, you're never going to know unless you take a chance. But you can walk in the faith that you were made for a reason. Dad, you sound like a veggie tail. I do like to talk to tomatoes. Thanks, Dad. Of course. Hey, race you down the hill. Aunt Cat, are you sure you know where we're going? We were supposed to meet up with the boys like 20 minutes ago. Of course, I guess my timing could be off since I'm judging by the path of the sun and not a watch like a normal human. Yeah, I thought you said you had the spiritual gift of directions, Aunt Cat. Well, they give you this map with the little squiggly lines. How am I supposed to read this? Is this a river? Is there a river around here? I don't hear a river. According to this, we are standing in a river. Let me see that. It's a blue line which usually marks river. Yeah, okay. maybe it's just a blue line marking the trail. Everyone knows that blue means river, not trail. Okay, girls, don't fight. Let us pray to the Lord for directions. That's not how the Lord works. Where is it? know the way up the mountain. We can't make heads or tails of this map. Let's have a look. Well, first of all, this is a children's place map from Olive Garden. Oh. However, you are on the right path. You're about 20 minutes from the top. If you stay on this trail, you should be good to go. Oh, okay. Wait, um, is it this? Is it, no. Is it? Oh, wait. Wait, where'd he go? What? Huh? 
Oh, well, what a nice man. Was that? No. Couldn't be. Stuart, he's really working on becoming more like Jesus in his life. <laughs> um, so why don't we stand and we'll pray. But um, before we pray, I just want to end with this, that even if we don't feel like Jesus is with us in areas of our life, we can trust and know that he is walking with us in those paths and in those different areas of our lives. And let's do this as community. Let's do this as family. And maybe this week you can share with someone an area of your life that you had faced disappointment, but God is restoring hope in that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you just for all that you are doing just in our lives, God, and especially in the area of hope. We just know that you are a God of hope, that you came to restore hope in each and every one of our lives. And I pray, God, that in the midst of life, in the midst of uh, family, in the midst of everything that we have going on, that our eyes would just be open to how you are walking with us and that you are just wanting to um, speak life into every area of our lives, even the areas that we have faced disappointment or have, gained, or have grown hopeless. We know, God, that you are able to do anything because you are faithful and you are good. And so we just invite you into those areas and say, have your way. We glorify you, Lord. We just praise you for who you are. And we just thank you for this week. Just bless each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.